Welcome back, everybody, to the Winning Ticket Podcast. We are here without Matt today. This is your host, Mikey. Matt's uh, out working out, probably. I feel like whenever he's not here, he's just... We just say he's working out. I have so, no idea yeah. if he's if he's working out or not. But high reps, low weight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the guy. You you know he's that's toned. that's what he does. The man's toned. Anyway, got a very action packed show for you guys here. As always, we got week four coming up. Going to break down some of the games. Also have some special guests on. Yeah, uh, our friends at the Fantasy Whispers, Big Travi. We also got Johnny Game Time here for us. Uh, they're doing a lot of cool stuff. They got a, a segment called Buy Low. And sell high. They're just going to kind of run through all the fantasy guys that you shouldn't really panic over and guys that you should definitely want to grab, make a trade for. If they're still on the waiver wire, maybe you can uh, throw in some kind of claim for them. And also, I've just decided I'm going to be now nicknamed something cool, just like they are. So I'd like you guys to refer to me as uh, Babyface Joe, if that's cool. Or Babyface Joe. Babyface is fine. I like it. Ah. I like it. I will think of something better. We'll get something better. You come up with a better one as the episode progresses. You guys should stay tuned for the yeah. Fantasy Whispers and also for Joe's nickname because it's on its way. Or maybe tweet it's us, a, it's tweet us some suggestions at Ooh. the Winning Ticks Pod. There it is on also, Twitter, or you can send us some Instagram DMs with Ooh. that as well. Also, yeah. uh, make sure you guys are sending us your winning tickets so we can post them and give you guys some. I, I have a baby face though. Don't you guys agree? <laughs> yeah, but all right, it's not that. It's no, not I actually cool look name, best though. when I have a five o'clock shadow. Mm-hmm. Full we, beard, I look uh, ridiculous. We could call you Five O'Clock Shadow Joe. That looks even worse. <laughs> That's horrible. I just threw up in my mouth. Well, you look horrible also, so it fits. Okay. Anyway. All right, so we're getting off track here talking about your face and your names, which don't matter. What really matters is our first game. We got the Dolphins plus seven in New England. The total here is 47 and a half. Yeah, let me start with this one. Um, so we got the Dolphins. We got the Patriots. Patriots are giving six and a half their home. It's interesting because preseason, I would look at this game and say, all right, Patriots are winning by 100. But, you know, the Dolphins, although I've kind of called them not for real, uh, for lack of a better term, they really have kind of proved that wrong, mainly because I, I didn't take into effect how well they moved the ball downfield. They still have no running game. Uh, Kenyon Drake was basically absent last week. Frank Gore is not doing anything. So really the key to the game right here for Miami to win and to kind of cement themselves as being real is to kind of control the clock a little bit. Now, on the other side of that coin, the Patriots are kind of floundering right now. No one expected them to lose on Sunday night against the Lions, seeing Matt Patricia. I actually made fun of him on this podcast and said that he would get sent to the wall uh, via Game of Thrones. Listen, listening. Let me just say, everyone, listening to your own voice, um, just be dead wrong. <laughs> Yeah, pretty, pretty humbling, humbling. Pretty yeah, humbling. Yeah, yeah. but you know what? We're going to get back on track here. I like Miami to cover the spread. Yeah, I think everybody really had the Patriots last week, uh, minus seven, I think it was, in Detroit. Um, it's kind of a no-brainer coming off a loss. They usually, historically, since 2002, have just dominated coming off a loss. Um, the last time that they've lost three in a row was in 2002, actually. And uh, make that since 2018, because I got wow. the Dolphins winning this one outright. I think mm-hmm. they could really shock the world here in Foxborough. I know usually they play the Patriots tough once a year. That game's usually in Miami. But I would not be surprised if they play a tough game here against the Patriots. Um, the Patriots look to be just flat. They don't really have any offense. Gronk's really their only offensive threat. Who knows if he's going to stay healthy for an entire game. Um, Brady looks like he isn't Tom Brady at the moment. And their defense just was just kind of getting just lit up against the Lions and the Jaguars the week before. So I really think that the Dolphins can keep this one close. And if not win outright, they could definitely cover the seven. 
And that's really interesting that you bring up winning outright because Moneyline right now, as I'm looking at it, they're plus 240. So there's definitely some value there if you want to put a couple units on. You'll um, win significantly that investment back. So, And that is, of course, if the Dolphins win outright. Um, you touched on New England's offensive woes. I think losing some of the pieces, they really – nobody reacted to, but maybe we should have. Uh, Rex Burkhead today was put on IR, so he's no longer around. So now it's just James White, Sony Michelle, who's still um, getting acclimated into the NFL and into the offense. So it's just Sony Michelle and James White. You got Chris Hogan, who doesn't look too good. Uh, he's just he's getting open, not dro- not catching the ball, not getting open. Gronk, they're covering like it's a punt. They have three guys bracketing him. <laughs> so I really think that the Patriots' sh- struggles are not going to last long. As we know, they start slow historically, but then kind of really turn it on and basically went outright from November on. I really think that that New England bounce back is going to be next week when Julian Edelman comes back. I'm doing my best not to overreact to the Patriots' primetime, you know, like huge road, um, big favorite loss. And I'm also trying on the other side here to not overreact to the Dolphins being 3-0. And really not that many people said that they would be 3-0. Totally agree with what you guys are saying. I I really think that you guys killed it. Um, I think this is going to be one of my uh, my passes here. I don't know how you guys feel exactly as we go further on to the games here with the passes. But I don't know. If I had to, gun to my head, I think I'm going to take the Dolphins. Um, but I don't really, I don't really have any strong takes. Yeah, on you're, so. you're not in love with it. You're just dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting multiple passes now. See, I, I thought we only had one pass. <laughs> well, I have but. now made the executive decision. I'm not just going to put money on just because yeah. you feel awkward. Hey, hey right, Matt's you, not here. There's no rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next game we got here the Texans at Colts. Colts are two and a half point favorites. The total here is 47. I was looking at this game, and they're both teams that I, I typically would fade. I really, when I was racking my brain to come up with like a decent handicap, I really wrote down two X factors, and um, this is something that I'm going to kind of pose more of a question to you guys. I have the X factor for the Texans as Will Fuller. He actually out-targeted DeAndre Hopkins last week. He's kind of their big play guy who never seems to have a full hamstring. I'm not sure what's going on, but he seems to have that injury all the time. Yeah. So Will Fuller, just stretch, and you'll be pretty good. <laughs> for the Colts, I have Nikeem Hines who against the Redskins and even last week, they were using as kind of like a slot, jet sweep kind of guy. Um, I had mentioned on last week's podcast that they were utilizing against the Redskins some play action jet sweep where they actually threw him the ball too. So they're looking to use Nikeem Hines as kind of more of like a switchblade to go um, alongside of T.Y. T- Hilton and Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle now probably going to come back. I know he's still questionable. So I look for that, and when you match up the X-Factors with each other, really Will Fuller is a lot better than Nikeem Hines, mainly because of the resume. So it's really one of these things where Watson is very pass-heavy. They don't really control the clock. They, they don't have that much of a running game. They, for some reason, hate Lamar Miller. They don't like giving him the ball. So it's basically Deshaun Watson versus the Colts defense, who is pretty much tissue paper. So I kind of like the Texans because – I'm not in love with their coaching, but I really don't think they could go 0-4. It's the coaching staff um, as well as the quarterback play for me. I think if you strip away everything, it's Andrew Luck overperforming when uh, a lot of people said the Colts wouldn't do well, and the biggest reason was Andrew Luck. Now that he's back to his old self, everyone seems to be buyers in the Colts just because of how good he's playing. So if I'm not mistaken, I think the Texans are on the road here for the third out of the fourth week. Uh, They haven't really built any momentum. I think that you kind of see – they're not in disarray, but Watt – Post game doesn't seem comfortable. 
Um, I just think this is a weird situation. They think that they should be doing – obviously everyone who's 0-3 in the history of humanity has thought that they should be doing better. But their defense has not looked lights out, and they don't have the injury crutch. And, uh, and Watson as well doesn't have the injury crutch. Everyone's fully healthy, and they're still 0-3. Um, coming from a guy who had the Texans at like 11 or 12 wins. Um, yeah, I cried myself to sleep last night. It's not that big of a deal. But uh, I'm going to go with the Colts here. I think one and a half at home is very, very low. I think this should be at least four, maybe to five. Check out this uh, stat here. Uh, the Texans have had eight goal-to-go situations so far this season. Seven of them, they've had a negative play. So a penalty, wow. sack, tackle for a loss on a run. The only time they didn't was a garbage-time touchdown last week against the Giants mm-hmm. with like four seconds to go. So – Really, they're they're kind of like doing their best Falcons impression, where they just can't. They're doing it well. They can't score well. the ball. The best team to play when you can't score is the Colts, because as you mentioned before, their defense is tissue paper. <laughs> uh, they have no talent on D. Um, they don't have too much talent on offense. The Colts and the Texans kind of have that high-powered offense still. With I mean, Hopkins and Fuller and Watson last year is not that far away. They could and Watson had a great game last week against the Giants whose defense is also acting like tissue paper. Yeah. So it seems that they really thrive against tissue paper. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I really would like – I would probably lean Texans here. I'd rather it get up to three. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not too comfortable getting two and a half. It doesn't really do much for me. Yeah, just um, to have that extra insurance. Yeah, I would definitely lean Texans here over the Colts. I'm on an island on this one, it seems. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's worth mentioning too that the to- the game total is 47. And it's something that I really could see um, this being in Indianapolis, that dome-like – well, not the dome-like atmosphere. The dome atmosphere, yeah. <laughs> um, having having that. Usually, dome games they score a lot more. They tend to throw the ball a little bit more. No one likes to get tackled on turf. It's it, it's underratedly very painful. I feel like not a lot of people talk about <laughs> it's that. Like you concrete, can, right? Yeah, rug burn. Honestly, yeah, yeah, getting yeah. tackled on that that's it, horrible. So you usually like to see a little bit more of air it outs. I kind of like the over in this one mainly because we called the Colts defense tissue paper like mm. four times so far, <laughs> and Fuller, Hopkins, Luck. Um, I see them airing it out and not killing the clock. Totally agree with you there. I'm really happy that you brought up the total because you look at Deshaun Watson's fantasy play. That might not mean anything for the talent of the team, but that definitely comes into play for the total. If it's 50 to 10 and uh, this, you know, the spread 65, or sorry, the total 65, and they get a garbage time touchdown. It's not like Vegas is like, no, wait a minute, that doesn't really count. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's it's just, just garbage time after it's all. It's just points. So you got to look at garbage time as well. So that's a great little nugget there. I think our third game up here, guys, is Bengals. At Falcons, it looks like the Falcons are five-point favorites at home. Uh, looks like the total is 52. I actually really like the Bengals here in this spot. Um, the Falcons are decimated on defense. They lost Keanu Neal and Deion Jones. They also just lost uh, their other safety, whose name escapes me, but he's good as well. <laughs> uh, the, a bunch of their guys on defense and offense are questionable. Some might play, some might not. But I really think this game has the makings of another last week's game against the Saints. Uh, the total here is 52, like you mentioned and deservedly so. These are two high-powered offenses who can't really defend much. Um, A.J. Green is still questionable for the Bengals, but if he plays, I think you could definitely look to the over and also the Bengals plus five here. Yeah, so I'm going to jump up really quick. I, I said it last week as well. I mean, the Bengals, yes, they are a team that have two wins. Yes, they've looked good in those wins, but it's just one of those things where I, I don't think that I would be able to look myself in the mirror um, I wouldn't feel good about myself. I wouldn't be able to lay my head on the pillow at night <laughs> putting real money on Andy Dalton. I just uh, – Especially um, road Andy Dalton. Road Andy Dalton. Oh, uh, he threw four picks last that. week. <laughs> <laughs> he threw four picks last week and I think Atlanta um, after losing that heartbreaker where they were kind of in the driver's seat against the Saints. 
for much of the game. I really think that they might come back, and whoever they trot out there on defense, they're going to come out um, a little hungrier. Dan Quinn, not coaching for his job, even though we've mentioned a couple times on this podcast that he could be um, kind of up for review if they have a really substandard year. So I really think the Falcons are just going to go out in front of the home crowd, kind of take care of business. Road Andy Dalton's going to show up. Also, A.J. Green's dinged up. He has a groin, which is actually a very difficult thing to come back for, from, especially if you're a really mm-hmm. fast runner. It's something that um, will always feel tight, and it won't make you feel good like cutting. So I really could see that as an A.J. Green handicap. So look for Tyler Boyd and maybe a DFS, which we are actually not going to provide full lineup um, via this episode, but we will on Twitter. So it's one of those things, too, where I think the X Factor is Atlanta at home. So I kind of like them. I'm not in love with the points, but I'll take it. Yeah, I was going to say, you touched on before with, uh, with Boyd. He looked great last year, or last week, rather, with Green out. So that's definitely somebody you could look to either pick up in your fantasy leagues if you haven't already. Or uh, even in a DFS play, I think he's around 5,200 on DraftKings. So that's kind of a you know a good salary save. All right, so going into our next game, we got the Buffalo Bills in Lambeau facing the Packers. Packers are minus 10 here. The total is 45. All right, guys. So I know what you're thinking. It's like, oh, wow, Dean said last week that the Bills wouldn't score a point. <laughs> you know that I sat there because I'm a glutton for pain just watching every snap of that football game. And the one thing that really stuck out to me was I don't know what had happened to Anthony Barr, but someone mugged him in the parking lot, (laughs) took his jersey and pads, and put them on because he single-handedly lost the game. Josh Allen jumped over him. Josh Allen beat him to the corner for a touchdown. Josh Allen basically trucked him. Anthony Barr, all-pro linebacker, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, the Vikings play on Thursday night, so there's no way we're going to talk about the Vikings. Well, guess what? We're talking about the Vikings, but I I digress. Somebody get him out of here. (laughs) So if you think about it like this, it's not the monstrous line that they had last week where it was 17, but it is 10 or 10.5 depending on where you find it. I saw it at 10.5. I saw it as high as 11 at one point, and it's one of those things too where if you really use this logic, the Vikings and the Packers tied. Right by some horrible field goal kicking by both teams. So they tied. So if you want to think about it in your brain like that, they're equal teams. So now the Bills are traveling to Lambeau. Okay, so now they're going to an equal team with a hobbled quarterback, no running game, and a substandard defense. I Honestly, I really like the Bills to cover this one. Josh Allen looked like Michael Vick. He looked like a <laughs> six foot five. 260-pound Michael Vick. He looked amazing running the ball, not throwing. And it's things like that that I really think, maybe not to win outright, but definitely to cover that 10. And I also like the under here because if Buffalo's pass rush does what does to the Packers what they did to Kirk Cousins, I really like this team to cover that, keep the score low. Um, it's honestly one of those things where maybe Rodgers should – maybe they should consider – taking him out to get fully healed from that knee injury because he looks like a different man. One big key here for me is uh, the Bills running game going against against the soft Packers. I think they're going to try to run the ball a little bit more uh, instead of just kind of lean on Josh Allen just so they can kind of milk Josh, Josh Allen for as long as they can. If they go up against like the Panthers, let's say, someone who can stop the run, I think the Bills are in a major amount of trouble here. But I think at whatever this is, a plus 330 for them to win outright, I think there's a little bit of value here. I know they're going to Lambeau, but that really doesn't affect the Bills because that's literally where they live. They're, they're used yeah, to all that kind of weather. Yeah, cold. people are also sleeping on the Bills' defense just a little bit. They had those really bad outlier games here. I think the Bills' uh, offense is what it was in weeks one, two, and three, but I think the Bills' defense 
is not that bad. Once they got rid of silly Vontae Davis, <laughs> they finally started to do well. well. I mean, they didn't get rid of him. He just covered himself. He got rid of them. <laughs> so I think that for me, it's really the toughness in this game. I think how are the Bills going to establish Allen early? And I don't really trust the Packers' defense or the, oh, the young so rookie corners or the coaching mm-hmm. staff really to make any kind of adjustments. I'm with you guys. I like the plus 10. Hey, guys. Do you know that the Patriot Way is now in Detroit? <laughs> yeah. What what happened? Matt Patricia and uh, I call back to our week two preview where you had mentioned that um, no pun intended. Matt Patricia was kind of wearing a beard, as in pretending that they're a tough defense yeah, yeah. running heavy team. And then on Sunday night, they were a tough defense running heavy team. Now, what is it? The Patriots or run defense, or is it the Lions actually having that new identity type deal? I think it's a combination. Uh, I'm not going to discount the the poor defense that they faced. But speaking of poor defenses, they get the Cowboys. Yes, they're on the road. They're getting three points. But honestly, that's fine. I I like the points even more. I also like them at Moneyline at plus 130. Um, Look to them to kind of establish a little bit more of a run game against the Cowboys where their strengths are really just cover uh, linebackers. Like, Vander Esch actually looked pretty good last week. Sean Lee, Jalen Smith, these linebackers are going to have their hands full covering. So what better way to slow down the pass rush in that front seven by just running carry-on Johnson? Well, believe me, guys, nobody looks worse than me after that Sunday night game because I'm the one who compared uh, Belichick to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Matt Patricia to Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. so not only was I completely wrong, I look like a total nerd loser now. Right. So, I mean, so, had that said, going into this game, um, the Lions plus three, I think, is one of the best values on the slate here. Um, pretty much Vegas is saying that the Cowboys and the Lions are even, and we have not seen. That's not what's been showed to us thus far. Um, I think Lions money line here is, you know what, I'm actually going to take that right now. Mm-hmm. Huh. I am going to bet on that right now. Well, now we don't have access to the Lions if you exit the screen. Well, <laughs> I'm going to go back eventually. I just wanna, All right, and yeah. I will use this opportunity as Mikey butchers our rhythm here. Uh, look, I think this is our first disagreement, boys. Really? Yeah, I, okay. I do like the Cowboys here. Um, I, w- I was actually lucky enough to catch most of the game, not just red zone, mm-hmm. of uh, Cowboy Seahawks. Now, the issue for me, um, Zeke had a like a 40-yard touchdown catch called back because he stepped out like his toe came yeah. out. Mm-hmm. He also fumbled late. They never really got anything going. It, they ran into the Seahawks' 12th man home, home field type deal. Yep. Um, just Russell Wilson, he just took over. He's just dominant, and their, their secondary really just was not ready. Um, the Seahawks actually ran the ball decent, which is kind of rare for them. Like there was, mm-hmm. To me, that game is more the outlier than the other way around. Totally respect what you guys are saying. This isn't like a major disagreement where I'm just going to have to pants you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this game and I'm like, uh, minus three is not, is not super bad um, when you're going back home. Finally, they can breathe a little bit. Um, I really enjoy the Cowboys here. And I think that uh, to, to cut you off, Mike, even though you didn't say anything, you look like you're going to the Lions-Jets game. Uh, it's still in my mind because I'm a major square, and I look at that and I see they can't really stop uh, the run game too much. And I think I think Zeke is going to really go off here. Uh, I actually think I mean I hope that Zeke goes off because I have him on my fantasy team. As well. Ah, yes. He hasn't done a thing so far, but I think the big X factor for me of why I'm liking the Lions a lot here is the fact that Sean Lee is out. We know that Sean Lee, the, mm. the Cowboys defense without Sean Lee might as well be a Pop Warner defense. It's me. They don't. It's yeah, me playing. it's you playing every position out there. Right. So they really don't know what's going on when he's not on the field. So that really makes me lean Lions here. Also, the total is 43 and a half. Um, I kind of like the under here. Cowboys have not been able to get any kind of offense started, and the Lions have a pretty solid defense when you look at, um, you know, when you compare that to the Cowboys offense. So I can really see like a low scoring 25 to 10 type of game here. 
Yeah, so, Joe, a lot of your reasons why the Cowboys might just kind of survive the Lions, because let's face it, they're not going to handle them, um, is centered around Dak Prescott. So the Cowboys are second worst in the league with throws of 20 yards or more. They're one of five, with that one being the Taven Austin play that basically won them the Giants game. Yeah. And that was like the first drive, so yeah, they weren't ready was, for that. that was, that, that's like the only catch that he has. The only, like the only team with... Um, a lower amount of downfield throws are the Titans because they have a quarterback that can't grip the ball and yeah. another one that's Blaine Gabbert. I bet you – I don't know if this is true. I bet you the Colts are third because Andrew Luck literally can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. They, they brought in Brissett. Yeah. That's super embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. wow. So anyway, so Dak Prescott also has not thrown for more than 170 yards in a game this year. Also dating back to last year, he his final two games were under 150 yards. So it's something that I really don't see the Cowboys stretching the field or getting it – getting first downs in chunk yardage. So like he's you, due, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> like you had mentioned with Zeke stepping out of bounds, yes, Zeke is a great player, but a couple weeks ago Matt had asked, um, during one of our episodes, I, I can't remember which one, but Matt had asked, is it time to load the box on Dak Prescott? And I said, yes, it was time last year. Last right? year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's something, one of, the, one of those things where Matt Patricia is a savvy defensive coordinator and play caller. Yeah. So look to him to kind of disguise a little bit of the packaging so that Dak Prescott can't really get those clean looks to, to choose between run and pass at the line of scrimmage. One more thing about this game before we uh, move on to the next one. Have you guys seen uh, Dak compared to his, I think it's like his last 12 games compared to Brock Osweiler's last 12 games. The Ooh. stats are pretty much identical. <laughs> wow. I saw that today. That's pretty crazy. Never mind. I'm all over the lines. <laughs> and also unrelated, I saw a tweet. That was pretty funny. That said, we got rid of Tony Romo for a Dominican Billy Volick. <laughs> <laughs> so moving into our next game, we got the Jets at Jaguars in Jacksonville. Uh, Jag- Jaguars are minus seven and a half here, and the total is a measly 38 and a half. Yeah, last week was a kind of... Uh, not kind of. It was a real upset for the Jags playing against the Titans. Well, um, I don't know. The, the Titans are a great football team. <laughs> yeah, and actually, um, last week's episode, we we declared them dead in the water at one and one. They're two and one in first in the AFC South. I think we're going to be okay, guys. Yeah, but yeah, 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 so the Titans stuck it out and beat the Jags nine uh, six. It was a tough game. Blake Bortles looked like Blake Bortles of 2016. Yeah, missing open guys, overthrowing, forcing the ball in. Looked pretty bad. I think that that is going to be one of their outlier games playing the jets i really don't see um much of a threat especially playing at home fournette might be healthy as well so look for them to kind of really just control the clock doug marone had said before the start of last year he said i want to run every single play and everyone's like oh he hates blake bortles he thinks he's bad no when you have leonard fournette you would want to run every single play so look for the the jaguars to really just control the clock and have that defense just teeing off on sam Darnold. when you keep a defense off the field, they stay healthy, hydrated. So I'm actually leaning Jets here, uh, getting seven and a half. I don't think that the Jags, as you mentioned before, they have that uh, run-first offense. I don't know if their team is built to win by seven or more. Um, plus, now they have, I believe they're without Cam Robinson, the offensive uh, lineman. So that's going to hinder their run-first offense even more. And let's not forget that the Jets looked pretty good week one. Um, they seem to have tailed off. In week two and last week when Baker came in, but that's, I mean, they weren't really prepared for Baker. That's tough to, you don't have any film on the guy. Um, even the Jets players came out and said, like, we didn't prepare for him at all. Yeah, definitely. So that's why they were kind of taken off guard um, by the Browns, of all people, mm-hmm. with Hugh Jackson's dynamite offense. <laughs> yeah. And especially playing on the road, too. All I, I always say this that the home team has to make one play, and then the crowd is rocking. They're and all you in basically it, yeah. have no chance. Yeah, another thing that hinders the Jaguars here, I think that that, that game against the 
Patriots was pretty much their Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So you go into Foxborough, you beat the Patriots, they're all fired up, and then you come out flat for a game at home against the Titans, who have a quarterback who can't throw. Uh, R.I.P. Mariota's arm, get well soon, I love you. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just I don't think that they're going to show up for this game either. It's a very similar game with against a very similar team to the Titans. So I can see them coming out flat again. I think the under would be in play here if it wasn't so low. So if that total goes up above 40, I would definitely take the under. I don't know if it will, though. A wonderful segue here, Mikey. I'm going to be leaning the under. If you look at game script and the way these teams are built, much like both of you guys said, uh, there is value here in um, the under for pass attempts as well. Hmm. So that's pretty cool to look at, a little derivative play if you don't feel like taking action, um, because I won't, because 7.5 is kind of weird. That's two possessions, and obviously the Jags aren't really – built that way i don't want to hark on what you guys said yeah, you guys yeah. said it all but look these teams are going to be running a lot because of the strong defenses and the weak quarterback play not to say that sam Darnold is going to be weak forever but he is weak now and when you run the ball obviously the clock keeps moving so it's almost like you're playing three three and a half quarters that's why i like the under even though it's at 38 and a half i know that's freakishly low but these offenses are not built that way. Absolutely. And you know what offense is built to put up a lot of points? Tell me. Apparently the Bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fitzmagic, I, I was saying last week, too, that, you know, the magic was going to run out. First half, it looked pretty good. I'm um, going to let you guys in on a little disclaimer. All of my live European soccer bets, I had a huge bankroll. I was like, yeah, I'm going to put some on the Steelers. So... I was sitting pretty. It was 30 to 13. Took a shower. Came out. It was 27-30. I was like, what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just one of those things where the Bucks have kind of proven time and time again that they have that, that big play strike ability that they could just get back chunks of yardage in a row. They're going up against the Bears um, who are giving three points because they're home. So that is saying that Vegas thinks that they are an equal team on a neutral field. I'm... Not really too sure because I think the Bucks are that much better. I think that they should honestly be road favorites. Let me tell you something. I love this game here. Uh, I kind of sound like Gruden there for a little yeah, bit. I love I this didn't game. Mean to sound like Gruden, yeah. but I would even take Bucks money line here. I think that they easily could have, not that they should have, but they could have beaten the Steelers by twenty plus. There was a few unfortunate plays that didn't go their way. There was the pick six in their own whatever twenty inside yeah. their own twenty. There was the tipped pick from Fitzpatrick in the red zone. Uh, Goodwin, or Godwin, rather, dropped, I think, two touchdown passes. Yep. There was that Chris Conti stiff arm where he got stiff-armed into oblivion. Yeah, he uh, actually tore his PCL that's like because the, of it. That's like the fourth time that's <laughs> happened to him. I don't know if you guys remember yeah, yeah, yeah. Fred Jackson run yep. a few uh, years ago. Super on embarrassing. Bills. He just gets, keeps getting shoved aside. Like, are you are you a <laughs> professional or no? Yeah. You okay? But anyway, that was a long run. Should have been, I mean, should have taken some more time off the clock. I'm not going to say that they wouldn't have scored on that drive, but, I mean, mm-hmm. they kind of gave up a big play right away. Um, there was a, another pick that Fitzpatrick threw that was just terrible. Um, and then there was another missed tackle on an Antonio Brown touchdown. And I think that especially this week against the Bears, the Bears have come out so flat after Trubisky has his scripted first drive. Once he has to kind of think on his feet, he see, he just looks terrible. He's not the answer. He'll be a tier mm-hmm. two, I think, you know, eventually when his career is all Honestly, he'll be lucky to be that. And that's, yeah. that's part of the handicap that I gave in the preseason um, NFC North division episode is that with Trubisky, he looks kind of lost out there. Now, granted, Matt Nagy's offense is pretty convoluted. So, I mean, I don't really blame him. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that could basically do everything that Nagy is asking, but they're kind of stripping it down, which is what we saw a lot of in the second half last week. They kind of got back to basics, quick slants, 
quick outs, get the ball into the hands of the playmakers, and then let it let it happen. Also, I really look for Jordan Howard to kind of control the game here. If they can get him running and get him those carries that he is accustomed to, I, I know in years past he's had games where he's had 24, 27, 28 carries. That's really their blueprint to win this game and let the defense, again, keep the defense rested to kind of go out and play as much defense and coverage and pass rush on Fitzpatrick to kind of slow that offense down a little bit. I think there's some sharp value on the Bucks here. Uh, I really like this game a lot. I think that the squares are looking at the Bucks and they're trying to figure out what's for real and what's not because of their preconceived notions preseason. I think that the, the, what makes a sharp a sharp is they're able to shake off the things that the squares harp on. So they're looking at Fitzpatrick and they're saying, who is he? What, is he really this good? Is he really this bad if you look at all the picks? No, he's everything that you've seen so far. The, this is the team that put up 48 against the averagely to below average Saints week one. They're the team that played the Eagles tough. And they're the team that, you know, we're looking at the Steelers who could be eventually the AFC champions. And they played them tough. I know it was at home. But, um, you know, you look at those three games, I think that there is absolutely value here being a road dog. I don't know. I think Vegas knows that the public doesn't really know what to make of them yet. Yeah, and just one more uh, nugget before we wrap up this game. Um, James Winston is now eligible to return. So when does Ryan Fitzpatrick throw two picks in the first half and they start looking for that loser to come on? And maybe <laughs> right. that will just disrupt the entire team. So that's always something because let, let's just say the man, the general manager and the owner still believe in Jameis Winston. They're going to be putting pressure on Cutter to put in Winston. So now on to the next game with the superior quarterback from Jameis Winston's draft. Uh, we Who got, could it be? We got the Eagles at your beloved Tennessee Titans. Uh, Titans catching four and a half here. The total is 41. Honestly, I love Mariota. I love the Titans. But he's still banged up. We don't know how well he's going to play if he actually does play. And I don't know if I would – you know, take anything on the game here with the spread at all. I definitely would look under, like I said before, either a banged up Mariota or Blaine Gabbert versus a Wentz who last week didn't look as sharp as he did uh, the year prior. And, you know, they really haven't unveiled the whole offense yet to try to get him acclimated. So the under 41 here, I think, could be a strong play, especially given the Titans' performance this year with only low-scoring games. And the Eagles haven't scored much either. Uh, Eagles also with both teams, actually, with really, you know, hard-nosed defense uh, that they, they really get after the quarterback as well. Yeah, I think the under here is really the best play um, out of this game, mainly because that four-and-a-half line has been moving. Uh, when it opened, I saw it at three. So that line, you, you might think that, that might that might all the way go up to like five-and-a-half, which you know might make the bet a little bit juicier for the tight ends. Or if you like the Eagles, it might make it a little bit more cautious for you. So I like that under mainly because when you pair good defenses with tap. I don't want to say talentless, but poor talented wide receivers like the Eagles um, missing a lot of their guys and, you know, trying to get Jordan Matthews up to speed in order for Carson Wentz to have someone to throw to. Uh, last week, he kind of spread the ball to only tight ends. Um, some guy named Goddard or whatever yeah, had yeah. seven catches. Yeah, but it's spelled weird. Yeah. It's like Geodude. <laughs> yeah. It's like spelled, yeah. yeah, so Carson Wentz was abusing Geodude. So, yeah, no, it's interesting because uh, same thing on the Titans side. Marcus Mariota can't really grip a football. We kind of mentioned that earlier. Also, you have to look into – you have to put some credence to the fact that the Jaguars prepared for Blaine Gabbert all week, and then they got Marcus Mariota in the second quarter. So kind of when the Eagles are preparing for a Mariota-type – Rather than uh, Blaine Gabbert type, the preparation is all on him. So it's one of those things where I don't see the Titans offense really moving the ball too much. And same thing like what Mikey said, Carson Wentz I don't think is really up to speed yet. He's still knocking rust off. 
So look for the under. Both teams are just kind of going to try to survive this one. Um, just really quickly, fun little little stat. The Titans are 2-0 this year when they have money lines of plus. So that means when they're the underdog. So right now they're plus 165, and they're 2-0 so far this year. They're actually five out of their last five. When they had plus odds, they won, hmm. including that playoff game against the Chiefs. Just everybody's underdog, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the heroes, everybody counts them out, and they just keep winning. That's what we love about them. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to have to disagree again here with you guys. I don't like the game itself, but I do appreciate the stat that you said, Dean, how they can win outright when they're dogs. Mm-hmm. In fact, their home dogs is even better. Yep. So I look at this Titans D, and I look at the teams that they've played, and I don't see really offensive juggernauts. So to me, it's not a case of the Titans being that good. I think that it's they haven't really been challenged yet. Of mm-hmm. course, that's, that's more up to interpretation. But I think the math over the course of really the entire NFL history always evens out. The goal of... Vegas is everybody to be eight and eight against the spread. Everyone to be eight and eight in terms of the over or the under. So the fact that a lot of the unders have hit, I think, kind of makes me lean to the over here. That's my big play for this game, especially when you take into account Wentz has the second week that he's finally prepared. Obviously, he's got to get the raw stuff. He's a human being. I think the Titans' question marks on offense almost bodes well for their offense because I'm not that high on Mariota. That's kind of a convoluted one. I don't know if that's <laughs> – that one doesn't hold that much water. My head's spinning. But, I can't even <laughs> figure it out. But that's why I like the uh, the over here. I think the Eagles have a shot to put up four or five touchdowns. Mm. And then when you take into consideration that the Titans are home and they do well as home dogs, I think they can match them. I really like the overplay here at mm. 41, especially because it's so low. Great, Thank you. Great so, reasons all, all around. Yeah, that um, was good. Good for us. Yeah, when it comes to betting – Overs and unders, I again, I really like to look for talentless, not talentless, but like pretty substandard, specifically wide receivers. And a game that's chock full of them is our next game, Seattle and Arizona. Now, I'm going to take a page out of Dave Essler's book, who was on our episode last week. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, um, you should go back and listen because he's a real professional and gives... Um, he gave he, timeless knowledge. Yeah, like, he gave really good like you can actually uh, learn. insight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We love so, Dave. Just kind of the way that he thinks, and that's kind of something that I'm adopting into my picks so i'm not betting on seattle giving three points here i'm betting against the cardinals actually currently it's three and a half the cardinals are getting three and a half at home the over under is 38 and a half um that line is very low kind of it's the same line as the jets jags so like you said that's a freakishly low line i am betting against the cardinals i don't think that they have it figured out i think that there's so much to be said about the coaching and especially when your coach is a borderline Hall of Famer like Bruce Arians, who has been around all the time on the Steelers staff, on the Colts staff. He's just a guy that gets football and gets the most out of his guys. And Steve Wilkes, I'm sorry, I hate to beat up on the guy, but he just isn't that. I mean, he's not really qualified to be a head coach. Yes, they're moving to Josh Rosen, but moving to Josh Rosen with an entire week of preparation is a lot different than a Baker Mayfield coming in in the second quarter or a Josh Allen coming in um, with not a lot of tape on him. I think that Josh Rosen really isn't too good out of the out of the three or four quarterbacks that were picked this year. I actually like him the least, even though all the pundits are saying that he uh, is the most NFL ready. Well, every draft has the fourth best quarterback. I mean, what? How many drafts have four good quarterbacks? Yeah. So we already got Darnold. Baker looks good from his second half comeback. We got Allen, who looked really athletic and dynamic. I mean, it's Josh Rosen versus the Seahawks defense. Who, yes, they're not the Legion of Boom anymore, but Pete Carroll kind of knows what he's doing, and I just really think Seattle's going to handle them. Yeah, I think they really eat up this rookie quarterback situation here. I'm doing my best not to overreact to the Seahawks' performance. I try to do my best and be be sharp. Look at 
the teams and not just look at like, oh, look at the 80-yard touchdown. Like, did you see Vance McDonald <laughs> stiff arm? He's the best player in the league. I do my best not to do that and just go run to the waiver wire and pick him up in fantasy or anything like that. Um, look, you, you hit the uh, the ball out of the park. Is that the expression? I sure. literally played hit baseball. The, hit the nail on the head. Hit the it's nail out of the park. A, hit no, the no, nail no. on the park. Okay. Yeah, that one works. I they, think that's it. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. Look, I don't really have anything else to add. Mike, you got any cool nuggets? I actually – I'm kind of leaning Cardinals here for the same reason that Dean gave except against the Seahawks. I, You guys, if you listen to the NFC West preview, I hate the Seahawks this year. Um, not the individuals themselves. I'm I sure they're, love Russell I'm sure they're very nice men. Now their defense but, is actually looks like they're D bags. <laughs> they kind of yeah, right. do. Get Earl at Thomas me. after you know bowing to the Cowboys. Is kind of a classless move. He got uh, penalized, after, penalized for that. Especially he yeah. wanted to go there. What are you doing, dude? Yeah. Uh, I, but, I, but to cut you off mm. in all ways, I <laughs> look. I, I don't hear you on that. I think the I Bears finish. I didn't even get started, dude. You're no, no, dude. Because I'm frustrated, man. Okay, so the so the Seahawks are going to lose because Earl Thomas bowed. All right, next. No. All right, I'll I'll let you finish, but I got a quick thing that will just dominate you. Um, Vegas, the uh, we always touch on the fact that they give three points to the home field. So there's a six point swing. So they're saying if this game was in Seattle, the Seahawks would be nine and a half point favorites. That's almost the ten point favorites that we see from the Packers Bills game. So they're really saying the Seahawks are to the Packers as the Cardinals are to the Bills. Let's see if you can come uh, can hang around with that. The reason why Uh, Joey Stupid Face or whatever you call yourself, Baby Face Joe, Joey. The reason why it's three and a half is because of the public. I think the public is all over the Seahawks, Packers, and probably Cowboys. I'd say those are probably mm-hmm. the three yeah. heaviest bet teams. Of course, the, the Patriots are in there as well. And but I'll, uh, I'll fade the public all day. As will I, which is why I won't be touching this game in general. But I do agree with Dean because the game last week was closer than it seems. It, it looks like the Bears came back and they finally won. And the, oh, they beat the rookie quarterback. The Cardinals really didn't have any business scoring twice. And uh, the Bears' offense kind of looked anemic, to your Bears' point. So now you're arguing against yourself. How do you say <laughs> no, that? No. I think that Wilkes, is, he's figuring it out slowly. Um, the first two games, they looked just abysmal. They looked horrible. Then this third game against the Bears, you know, they put up two quick touchdowns, and it didn't really do much on offense after that. So I think it's kind of a learning process, especially for him. He's a defensive-minded guy generally, even though they've, they've gotten – they just gouged. got just gouged on the ground yeah. and through the air the first two games. You know, their defense kind of stepped up, even though the Bears' offense isn't as uh, as good as they should be. Um, but I think that the Cardinals getting three and a half here, plus the, the half point really puts me over the edge, uh, leaning Cardinals. They're not going to grind it out by a, a half a point. Yeah, this is either going to be a blowout or a comfortable um, win by either direction. So that three and a half doesn't really scare me all too much. Um, I can totally see it being a, a two-touchdown game, which actually brings me to a point. I don't understand why the Cardinals are not getting these 10-point lines. I mean, they haven't shown nothing. Yeah, last week they scored two quick touchdowns in the first half at home. And then they did nothing else the rest of the game. So it's one of those things where – and even if you take that scenario, they won – they scored two quick touchdowns, and then things got so bad that they actually benched their quarterback. Yeah. This team does not have anything figured out. They are so confused that if they really had things handled, they would have started Rosen. And let's just say that they gave up that comeback with him starting the game. Then maybe I'd say, okay, they took a step. They played them close. But that is actually just a, not only a backdoor – well, they didn't cover. That's a backdoor yeah. win by the Bears yeah. because the Cardinals just were inept on, on offense. Also, another thing to bring up is this is their third home game in four, in four weeks. 
just imagine what lines that they're going to be like down down the line when they play four in a row on the road or something. Yeah. Because now they're they're getting their front loaded schedule. This is the games that they should be winning in their zero and three. So yeah, obviously I'm not in love with the Seahawks by any means, but I think that they're more than capable in handling this substandard team. Last week, Mikey, you did very well. Um, you battled me and Dean, and you won on several takes. But uh, look, I think this is our week, man. I think we're coming back for you. And I think hey, we'll see. How, we'll see after the game. Absolutely, yeah. And and Mikey is very knowledgeable. Mikey is up for hours a night doing research. We all know that. <laughs> but uh, look, the second half thing is completely accurate, Dean. They had zero points in the second half. So when the coaches went back to the drawing board. Wilkes pooped his pants. He didn't know what to do. <laughs> he prepared for a week better than the other guys. Who Nagy is literally well. They're both actually rookie head coaches, but uh, I don't think Pete Carroll is going to let that happen. I think he makes adjustments better than anyone as well. By all means, I'm not saying that the Cardinals are certainly going to win this game. I'm not yeah. putting the bank on this. Uh, they definitely yeah, look are. inept. I just think the Seahawks also have looked inept mm-hmm. at times. This no, I, I agree. So, so, so I, agree. I think I think we're all doing the same thing. It's just it's just a matter of who you hate more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm leaning, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just leaning more towards uh, the Cardinals on this one. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really could see uh, Josh Rosen getting smashed. But you know who's a rookie quarterback who will certainly not get smashed. And that's the underbaker, oh. Sam McGungs, <laughs> Baker's Dozen. It's, um, Baker We're going to get Baker's Dozen started, dude. That's Baker's yeah, Dozen's good. Heard copyright winning ticket podcast. Um, yeah, but Baker Mayfield looked really good. Um, the only thing that is a little bit of a handicap, so to, to read you off some of the specs, Oakland's at home, they're giving three points. The over-under is 45. It's something that the Raiders are kind of floundering. They are 0-3. They've had the lead in games and then just kind of given it up. Baker Mayfield last week led that historic comeback. It was nice to watch the Browns finally win a game. But it's one of those things with a full week of preparation and a steaming John Gruden. Do we really think that Baker Mayfield could do it again? I actually don't. I think that a big part of his success on Thursday was the fact that the Jets, some players literally came out and said it. Jamal Adams said we didn't prepare for him at all. So it was kind of going in there blind. They really had no idea what was coming. Um, I also like what you said about John Gruden, the fact that he is – I don't think he's going to let the team go 0-4, especially because, you know, the, the media is going to just rip them, if, especially if they go 0-4. Um, one thing about the Raiders, they've led every game this year going into halftime. So I think a good derivative bet you could play here is Raiders' first half um, minus whatever it is, probably three. And, and that is why like you that. listen to this minus podcast because yeah, that no is doubt. something yeah. that you – So – and they kind of had some – not some bad beats, but they kind of – you know, they had the travel last week going to Miami in the heat. They had the the late – well, I mean, it was late for us, but the, they had the, the prime time game against the Rams, who are a very good team, and they looked very serviceable against the Rams. And then week two, they played in mile high in the altitude. So, I mean, these are all big handicaps against them that might get you know fixed with them at home. Um, one more thing about the Browns. Let's not forget they have not won a road game in three and a half years. So I don't know if we can just automatically chalk them up like, oh, Browns are back. They're going 8-8 eight and eight yeah. again. Um, yeah, so Mikey, as you were finishing up your point, I am actually taking the Raiders' first <laughs> half, uh, giving one and a half points. I really like what you said that they were leading in every single game. So it's something that I think that the Browns will have their hands full with. And it's something that I really see these teams as – with Baker Mayfield in, I see them as kind of even. And with evenly matched teams, it comes down to coaching. And we all know how we feel about <laughs> Hugh Jackson versus John Gruden. I mean, John Gruden could be 
straight from the booth or straight from the Corona desk, and I think he'd out- outcoach Hugh Jackson. One thing, too, is I really think that John Gruden's presence has kind of um, made Derek Carr a little bit gun-shy. I know after the game, so John Gruden doesn't remember the politics of, like, running a team. So he's mentioned asinine things in the past, like, oh, there's not a lot of good pass rushers in the NFL. Well, you traded one away because you wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> That's a pipe bomb. That's bad. Then, then he said after last week's game that Derek Carr tried too hard and threw balls that he shouldn't. So now Derek Carr is a young quarterback still progressing, and John Gruden is now, you know, this – he has this aura of Super Bowl guy and Monday Night Football personality – and he's saying, yeah, Derek, it's, that's on Derek Carr. Well, how about the times that they didn't cover uh, Grant or Albert Wilson? They, they, really, they literally high-fived. Yeah. Um, that was actually was awesome, awesome, dude. <laughs> Maximum. We yeah. give up defense. So, so that's something, too, that's um, something to look at. A little bit of an anti-Oakland thing. Although I still think that they are going to maybe pull this one out. Mainly because let's see if Gruden does a little bit of self-reflection and says to Derek Carr, hey, man, I trust in you. I'm going to kind of ease off a little bit and you just play the way you are. Now, I will ask this question to the panel, and this will go I love these, uh, a, part go of, a part of the season-long crucifixion of John Gruden on this podcast. <laughs> if Jack Del Rio is the coach, they win the Broncos game, and they win last week. What do you guys think of that? I think they win last week. I'm not so sure about the Broncos, just because the Broncos, uh, I think they outmatched them on, on in a couple of areas. Not that the Broncos are world beaters, um, but that's that's my take, Mikey. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they definitely beat the Dolphins. Um I don't know if they, especially early weeks in the season in Mile High, teams historically have done terribly yeah, in no Mile doubt. High, except the Broncos because they're so conditioned and used to the uh, Mile High air. Yeah, so, absolutely. Look, Babyface is really into math here. <laughs> Who's so, that? I don't know who that is. Obviously, we all know who that is. Um, look, close one-possession games uh, from life's beginning, they have always evened out. This will eventually even out for the Raiders. They've been winning at halftime. Like Mikey said, I love that stat. And uh, they just kind of end up blowing it. So Vegas doesn't think that there is a such thing as a clutch gene. Obviously, there is a clutch gene in Tom Brady, LeBron, Curry. There's a handful of athletes across the entire generation that are literally just clutch. When it's you know two minutes left in the fourth or any any game or whatever, they are just it's game time. They're game on. Um, but there's no one like that in this game. And eventually, the Raiders math says it will even out. So it's not even disagreeing with me at this point. It's disagreeing with math. I think that no one disagrees with math. Two plus two is literally four. And uh, look, I don't think I actually like this minus three. I don't like taking three in general because there's no hook. But uh, minus 140 is no problem for a money line. I will, I will grab that all day. And I think I'm going to be taking the first half as well. Yeah, those are some good points there, stupid face. Thank you. Uh, as we move on to the next game here, we got the 49ers uh, in L.A. Excuse me, I almost said San Diego. I always do that. But uh, in L.A. against the Chargers, Chargers minus 11. Obviously, 49ers without Garoppolo and McKinnon and Sherman's out this game, and they're kind of just getting hosed with injuries at the moment. So you really set up uh, the take well. You will never really find me laying 11 or more unless it's last week because I'm a big liar because I took 16 and a half uh, Vikings against the Bills there. But look, I think the Chargers have proven that they offensively, they are above average. They I can't wait to do uh, the power rankings that we plan on doing for next week's episode because I think that the, the Chargers are a very interesting team. Weak defensively, uh, averagely to below averagely coached, but offensively they are there, man. Phillip Rivers is lights out. Uh, going up against a Niners team that is mediocre to below average uh, D without probably their best piece, and now a big motivational factor. They are demoralized going on the road. How do they handle that? They don't, pretty much. 
Yeah, I actually like the uh, – I don't like the Chargers to blow out anybody. They're just a classic team. When I'm counting on them to put up some big numbers, they just – Phillip Rivers will – like he'll throw for 150 yards and a <laughs> touchdown, and they'll just – they'll win by three. So I would probably lean Niners here, especially you could probably wait later on in the week to, to grab this. It might go up to 12 or 13. Earlier today it was minus 10, and now it's – tonight it's up to 11. So, yeah. I mean, people are really reacting to the loss of Garoppolo – and getting Bethard in. If you remember from last year, uh, Bethard, or as I used to call him for a while before I realized how it's pronounced, <laughs> I called him CJ Beathard. Because <laughs> yeah, it's a square take to take the charge, especially lane 11. Yeah, but it, I like them to put up multiple scores here early. Yeah, last year, Bethard really didn't play terribly. I mean, Goodwin really found his stride last year um, with Bethard before Garoppolo came in. They still got Kittles playing really well. So they have a few pieces on offense that I think that they can keep this game relatively close and cover the 11-2-13, wherever it'll end up. That's a really fantastic point. Um, but I'm going to just rewind the clock a little bit. Two weeks ago, they played the Bills, lowly team, in Buffalo, and it was a big it was a big spread. I think it was 9.5, yeah. and the Chargers covered. Although they did let, they, they let the Bills kind of back in that, a little bit, but they already prepared for a team that's supposed to be substandard and broken and everything, and they did take care of business. Melvin Gordon was a big part of that. Uh, I kind of see some of the same. They're playing at home. Uh, it didn't break their way week one or week three. They really need a win here. I think that they, they don't do any funny business. No backdoor cover here. Um, I really, yes, I agree that C.J. Beathard w- looked okay last year, but lest we forget, they were 0-10 at one point. I believe 0-11, right? Yeah, and, and the Chargers have also improved on defense. They're not great on defense. And they should be getting Joey Bosa back, too. So yeah. I actually wavered the, the Chargers defense in uh, my fantasy league. So it's something that I, I like the Chargers to cover. Of course, I'm not in love with the, the double-digit point spread. Obviously, as a survivor who, I mean, barely <laughs> watched my beloved team get, get smacked around You're last week. Survivor. It's tough. But maybe uh, I'll, point, I'll point some attention to this, uh, humble listener. Again, the definition of the correlated parlay, it's not quite there because of the 46.5 as the game total. But, you know, if a sportsbook lets you take a teaser, I know a special shout-out to my friend Zach, who's been sending me all of his winning tickets. Um, Mm. And he's been doing a lot of teasers where he's been teasing teams and overs or unders and has been finding a lot of success. Of course, he's laying down some juice that – Maybe I wouldn't on a normal three-team teaser. But if you do like what Mikey was saying with C.J. Beathard and maybe keeping it a little bit close, or maybe even on the on the other hand, the Chargers not having to really play for anything beyond the second possession, maybe maybe tease. Um, typically you get 6.7.6.5 point, something like that. Maybe tease the Niners and the under. Get to that really one close. Possession, right. So yeah, yeah. 16 or 17 points and 40.5. That's a nice little correlated teaser. And then just add in another team that you like with points, and then bing, bang, boom, you might be able to win some money. We're going to copyright correlated teaser as well. <laughs> Baker's Dozen and correlated teaser. Ah, uh, yes. That's actually what a 13-point teaser is, the Baker's Dozen. Oh. I'm just going to ask. That's right. We're copyrighted at all, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, going into the last game of the afternoon for Sunday, we got the Saints at New York Giants. Giants catching four here at home. The total is 50 and a half. Um, this is another game where earlier today I think it was three and a half. So, I mean, a lot of money getting put um, against the Giants here. So they are becoming bigger underdogs. So I'm going to do something that's never been done before. I'm going to actually oh, flip no. a coin live, <laughs> and then I'm going to take right, that guys. team. Let's that's how it. confident I feel about this. Uh, and I think I'll go into the take eventually when you guys mm-hmm. get a little more serious. But uh, Babyface is flipping this coin here. <laughs> we got Saints 
Giants. Uh, and for those who can't see, he's flipping <laughs> a naked iPhone 6S that he just got onto a hard table. So let's Saints. see. I, I think I'm going to catch. I'm going to catch this in the okay. I don't okay, think you should do any of it. Why don't you just get a coin? Yeah, have or those. before you do that, let me save your phone some damage and tell you this. Giants getting four points I think is perfect. Last week, they... Last week, the Saints really got away with one um, due to the Falcons' injuries in the secondary, specifically. Mainly because, you know, no Keanu Neal, no linebackers. They even lost another safety. I think it's Alford, mm. uh, Robert Alford. They lost him as well. So it's just been Michael Thomas has been eaten. Alvin Kamara actually didn't really have that good of a game last week. And the Giants, on the other end of the spectrum, finally won their game because, guys, listen to this crazy concept. You take your worst player that has caused you years of losing, and you bench him for someone who could do the job, and then you win a game. How crazy is huh. that? So that's, uh, of course, I'm talking about Eric Flowers, who I've called on multiple occasions the worst football player in America. Um, they replaced him with some guy, don't know his name, doesn't matter, he's better than Eric Flowers. <laughs> and he, although he gave up three sacks, he gave up three sacks on J.J. Watt, and a lot of plays, um, as I used to play right tackle, I was showing some people that I was watching the games with why it was um, why he did the right things and JJ Watt just freakishly beat him. So like the Giants, getting the four, that's great. Um, don't hate the money line. Maybe they pull off um, the home upset, but I definitely see this being a high scoring game because the Saints can't cover anyone. Look for Odo Beckham Jr. to to eat. Look for Sterling Shepard too to get a lot mm. of looks. Right. So this podcast was really high in the Giants preseason, if you remember. And first two day, first two games that kind of came out flat. Looks like last week it finally clicked. Um, just watching some of the film and videos that people were posting on Twitter and Instagram, there was a, one play specifically where it was a run to Barkley, I believe, and just everybody blocked who they were supposed to. It was the craziest thing seeing blue jerseys. You, yeah, blue jerseys blocking everybody who was supposed to be blocked. So I mean, once you get the offensive line, I think everything's starting to click for the new offense, new coach. You know, a few pieces coming back. Uh, with the addition with Barkley as an addition, so I think they could really gash the Saints on the run game with Barkley, who is an electric talent, as well as in the pass game. You see, he he bossed like a cornerback. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on Sunday, um, but I think that yeah. Again, you said you <clears throat> mentioned you could really count on Odell here to have a big game. Uh, their defense really kind of played better than what we were used to. They're not, I mean, by no means a great defense, but you know Watson and Fuller and Hopkins. Last year looked like a dominant offense, and they kind of held them uh, to, I think it was, what, under 20 points? Yeah, it was 22 even. And, and um, that was with a garbage time touchdown. Yeah, well, and so. that was uh, exactly the, the garbage time. They had the ball like in the red zone for about the last two and a half minutes of the game. Mm. Special shout-out to Alec Ogletree, who's actually a special linebacker, and the, the Giants were able to snag him up. Very under the radar, very good linebacker. He had a nice pick in the end zone. Um, for some reason, they threw a 50-50 ball to Lamar Miller. Huh. And that's an interesting play. Yeah, and they don't have anybody else, obviously, a <laughs> yeah. receiver that they can So Alec Ogletree, look for him joke. to kind of take over um, the crossing routes, which is what kind of uh, Breeze relies on to get the ball to Thomas and some of these other weapons. Maybe they're going to have Ogletree spy Kamara. Also, with the downfield stuff, of course, the Giants are going to game plan for Michael Thomas, who is just on fire. He's has 38 catches already this year. All right, boys, here we go. I'm going to flip this bad boy. We got uh, heads, Giants, tails, Saints. This is, of course... With the spread. And it looks like it's the Giants, which is great news because I did like the home dog in this situation. <laughs> All right, so uh, totally agree with what you guys are saying. I think we look at the Giants and there's a little bit of question marks to, to uh, kind of have here, which is the reason why I literally flipped the coin. I'm not so sure if their offensive line 
is everything that it's cracked up to be. Obviously, thank God they got rid of Eric Flowers, so now I can sleep at night. Um, <laughs> but still, regardless, I, I, I don't think they have an answer defensively for what the Saints can do because we saw the Saints do some do some bad things to some decently defensive teams. Kind of lean over here as well. I'm not going to bring out another coin, but it's at 50, <laughs> it's at 50 and a half. Um, look, that's a really good play, man. I think I might like that instead just because the Saints don't have an answer. Um, I'm sorry, the Giants don't have an answer for all the Saints weapons, and it looks like the Giants have finally figured it out, not sold, which is why I'm not super happy taking the plus four here, uh, even though they're home dogs. All right, guys, uh, last game of the Sunday slate here. We got the Ravens in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Steelers are minus three. Total here is 51. This is going to be my official pass because uh, we're only getting one official pass, as we agreed. Upon. I only used one official pass, and you know what? I might even not use it on that game. All right. Stay tuned on Twitter because you can check it out. <laughs> anyway, um, so this, the reason why this is my official pass, in the last 26 games between the Steelers and Ravens dating back to Christmas Eve 2006, uh, the win-loss record, they're 13-13 and straight up, 12-12 and against the spread. Ravens have scored 546 points, and the Steelers have scored 536 points. So there is, I mean, and the line here implies that even. these are even teams with the minus three to the home team. So there's really nothing that differentiates these teams at all for me. Um, the Steelers are, are still, you know, I'm not sold on them. They've had a few bad games, a few good ones. The Ravens the same way. So I'm just not going to touch this game uh, on the spread-wise. Spread wise. I will take the under, however. If, historically, I don't know the actual stats, but it seems like every single Steelers-Ravens game is 10-7, 17-10, Always a low-scoring affair. Uh, Tomlin and Harbaugh, they know the team so well, so I could really see a good defensive battle uh, that will put me certainly to sleep at 945. If you can catch a hook here, if it goes to 3.5 or something like that, go for it, but other than that, I, I completely agree. Yeah, more of the same for me. I just really would like to point out that I texted one of my friends during the, the Monday night game about the Steelers just saying, this is why I never picked them to actually – make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. They don't have a good defense. It's kind of interesting because Mike Tomlin used to be a defensive coordinator. They just don't really have a lot of talent in the secondary. Um, they're, they're sorely missing Ryan Shazier. And just what they have left is just not very good. They don't have a, a great front seven. They can't. Nobody runs on them because nobody could. they can't stop the pass. So we really don't know exactly what teams are capable of. With this, so again, just like Joe and Mikey, I'm not really in love with this game at all. I definitely won't be taking anything <laughs> here, but for the sake of our uh, pick and pool, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll take the Steelers mainly because I like their talent a little bit better and akin to Andy Dalton, I don't think I'll ever put money on Joe Flacco. So <laughs> it's just one of those things where, again, I agree with everything that you guys are saying. Real toss-up, real 50-50 game, hard-fought, defensive battle. I guess normally at this point in the podcast, we will give our DFS lineups and tips. But as we mentioned at the top of the show, we got uh, the Fantasy Whispers with their buy low, sell high segment. Travi. So let's kick it off to them. All right, guys. Thanks so much for having us. Big shout out to the Winning Ticket Podcast for having us on here. I am Big Travi, and that is Johnny Game Time Hicks. And we're here to give you that fantasy football fix. We are the Fantasy Whispers. And today... What we decided we wanted to do for the guys at the Winning Ticket Podcast is give a few guys that we'd like to buy low on, some guys we want to sell high, and some other guys that we're going to ignore the panic on and, and tell you to stand pat with those players on your roster. So, Johnny, let's dive right into it. Give me your take on a sell high candidate this year. 
All right, Travis, I think one of the biggest sell highs for me is going to be running back James White. I'm telling you this because if you currently look at where he stands in the running back landscape, he is RB18 on the year in standard leagues and RB15 in PPR. He's playing all over the field and one of Tom Brady's favorite targets right now. However, we will soon be integrating Flash into this offense, as well as Julian Edelman, one of Tom Brady's other favorite pass options, will be returning from a suspension. And his go-to route is the underneath stuff, the stuff that James White is currently running. With a three-headed monster emerging in that backfield, I just am afraid that there's not going to be enough target share for James White. So I think this is the perfect week to Dump off James White because the return of Julian Edelman is still in the back of people's minds. So I would quickly sell high on James White. Yeah, you're, you might get a benefit, Johnny, from the fact that James White should have another good game this week with Rex right. Burkhead due to injury. And they're still ramping up Josh Gordon, as you said. So, yeah, I do like James White as a sell high. He will have a role in an offense going forward. So you might get somebody to bite, especially somebody who's hungry at running back. Another person who, who might, you might be able to sell high on is Adrian Peterson for me, Johnny. And listen, he sprained his ankle coming into the bye after a monster game against the Packers where he got 120 yards and two touchdowns on 19 carries. So you're telling me, if this guy's getting so many carries, why are you selling him? Johnny, I take a look at this schedule. I see Carolina. I see Atlanta. I see Tampa Bay, Houston, some Philly in there twice. Not only are there tough defenses in there for him, there's teams that are high-powered offenses that could really cause them there to be shootouts against Washington, which really effectively takes Adrian Peterson out of the game. And that's because they lean on Chris Thompson in those shootout formats. And Adrian Peterson has been game script dependent in this young early season here for the Washington Redskins. Yeah, Travis, I really, really do like this pick. This was one of the other players that came to mind, certainly when we decided to give our sell highs. Yeah, so uh, Johnny, give some, give the guys over there at the Winning Ticket Podcast and all their listeners, give them a uh, buy low candidate. All right, I'm going with my buy low target, and it's going to be a little bit surprising that this would even be on this list, but it's David Johnson. He has definitely not performed up to his average projected pick of number four in this year's draft. And you have a lot of owners that are currently panicking. Big Travi, we get messages daily. Hey, should I accept this trade? And it's involving David Johnson. And for me, the reason I want to buy him is they have been awful. The Arizona Cardinals have been awful this year. Let's just be plain and simple. However, there are some bright spots. He still is getting 17% market share in that Arizona offense, which now is turning to Josh Rosen at starting quarterback. What's the, what's the best friend of a starting quarterback? Well, it is the tight end, but it's also either the dump off pass to the running back. And David Johnson's one of the best in the league. Or you just turn around and hand off the ball. Well, David Johnson is a workhorse back. They need to get him more involved in this offense. And I think Coach Wilkes knows that. He's definitely and by far their best player on that team. So look for David Johnson to get better as the season goes along. Yeah, I agree with that. And Josh Rosen could be a nice uptick for the offense, as you pointed out. 
And if that's the case and they really lean on David Johnson, I think the usage alone will help you. He'll, he'll retain RB2 value with RB1 upside every time he touches the ball. Mm. So for me, my buy low candidate is Rob Gronkowski. Week one, he came out, he was he was Gronk all the time, Gronk everywhere. Seven for 123 and a touchdown. But then he faces Jacksonville, he faces a motivated Detroit Lions team, and he's kind of fallen off. But I would remind you that you need to go after that owner who's got Gronk and say, look, man, Gronk doesn't look the same. Maybe he's slowing down. Maybe the Patriots are finally falling. Because I actually think the, the weapons that we talked about earlier, with Edelman coming back, Josh Gordon being implemented in here, I think it's going to help Gronk because defenses aren't going to be able to bracket him and shut him down and focus on him the way they have. And if Sony Michelle actually starts getting going, which he's looked pretty good in limited snaps, I think that also helps Gronk as well. You look at the favorable fantasy playoff schedule for him. He's got Miami, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo, all teams that they could really throw on in, in, a, in bunches. I like Gronk. If that owner is having any kind of trepidation at all, go after him. Yeah, Travis, I also like the the point. You can argue to that owner and say, "Hey, look, there's Julian Edelman coming back yeah. and flashes so many mouths to feed." Right, exactly. Oh, so many yeah. mouths to feed, not enough, you know, for Gronk to be what you drafted him and let that that owner really believe that he's, you know, giving up something that's a piece of trash because he will return and he will be the number one tight end this year. All right, Travis, let's give the people a person that you might be panicking on a little bit, but we're letting them know, just stay pat for now. Yeah. So for me, you know, I go to the Dallas Cowboys and I look at Ezekiel Elliott. So similar to your situation, you were talking with David Johnson. This is a top five guy that people may be looking at and going, oh, my God, this Dallas offense, I'm I'm not really looking forward to this. But the bottom line here is that Zeke is the one bright spot in that offense. He's at 48 rushes on the year. His yards per carry this year are 5.7, Johnny. He's also had 20 percent of the target market share. So with the fact that there was no weapons out, no other weapons in Dallas that are really stepping up, Zeke has been a go to guy. His reception, yards per reception just haven't been very high. I expect that to change. I expect Zeke to get more work. And listen, as Dallas continues to lose, they're going to realize they need to run the ball and keep away from these other teams they're playing because they don't have the offensive weapons outside of Zeke to keep up with these teams that will put them in shootouts. For me, if they get back to their basics from two years ago when they were pounding the rock 20 times a game with Zeke, they will start to be in more games. And I think that's what they need to do. And they'll realize that sooner rather than later. Yeah, big Travis. I love this pick. I have Zeke in a couple of leagues of mine and I have trade offers coming in, but I am definitely staying pat on this one. I know that there are better days ahead for Ezekiel Elliott. Well, for me, you know, I started to lean towards giving the people a a fantasy wide receiver. And I was thinking about OBJ here because I, I do think he's a strong candidate for this particular topic however i'm going to give the people another running back because running backs are so much more valuable big travis as you know especially when you're looking at this week's waiver wire it's all wide receivers to pick up and no running backs currently but so i'm going to give you guys another running back to just stay pat on and that is jordan howard of the chicago bears listen this guy has been talked up all summer long and has he met that full demand yet no But is the potential still there? Absolutely. You're looking at a guy who 
is getting still 63% of his market share. That offense is looking confident. You know, they, they can move the ball. And I expect Jordan Howard to get more touchdown and goal line to go situations coming up. All right. He also a lot a big knock on him in that offense was, oh, Jordan Howard can't catch the ball. Well, guess what? He spent the time. He did the work just like all of you kids should do out there. Uh, keep keep up in the good work and it'll pay off. He started catching balls every single day after practice, and it has shown on the field catching 10 of 11 balls come his way for a whopping 91% completion percentage when targeting Jordan Howard. I absolutely love this guy moving forward, and if you have him on your team, definitely stay pat on him because he will start to return the value at where you drafted him. Yeah, I agree, Johnny. And one thing you didn't mention here because, you know, we are so excited about his receiving prowess is the fact that he's got 53 rushes on the year. That's t- that is fifth in the National Football League as far as rushing is concerned. And we're in a down year where people aren't getting this kind of volume. So he is at the top of a, you know, of a running back backfield. He's basically there, there is no more committee. We were, you know, we thought maybe Tariq Cohen could siphon off carries. That's not the case. You can stay patient with Jordan Howard. I think it's going to pay big dividends for you. All right, Johnny, I just want to thank the Winning Ticket Podcast one more time here for having us on. And if you guys want to hear any more of our content or see any of our articles or waiver pieces or start sit columns, you can go ahead and head to the fantasywhispers.com. You'll have all of our articles and all of our podcasts there. Also catch us on YouTube, iTunes, and Google Play. Well, for now, I'm Big Travi, and that's Johnny Game Time Hicks, and we're out. All right, guys. Hope you hope you enjoyed that. That was actually awesome. I listened to that while at work, and then as soon as that happened, I booked myself a 15-minute meeting, and I just went in a conference room trying to make trades for David Johnson. Um, I really I really loved what they said there. Um, there are a couple guys. This is kind of the week where people start to panic. So you could look to get a guy like a David Johnson or a Gronk or something like that if you really like someone that you missed in the draft and maybe they haven't really taken off yet. Really look to sell some of the guys that um, Travi and Johnny Game Time said. Yeah, I love the reasoning they had on Gronk as well. You can trick some of the silly owners in your league. <laughs> we all um, have them. We all yeah, have no, them silly owners. Absolutely. Um, but just kind of saying, hey, man, look, his target share might go down. But look, that, that Gronk is a major security blanket for Brady, as anyone would be. And he's got, uh, you know, obviously the, the upside of being a big play guy. So I love what they said there. And I also loved chasing uh, stars who haven't really scored yet. I think you see mm-hmm. that in the Odell situation. Um, where he can go off for three touchdowns two weeks in a row like it's no big deal. Yeah, guys, and just a friendly reminder that if someone tells you to dial 1-800-GAMBLER, you tell them it's only a gambling problem if you lose, bro. Enjoy the games. Have fun.